Ooh, welcome <laughs> back to a spooky episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me across the internet, who's already dressed up for Halloween, it's Drew Douglas. What am I dressed up as? I'm going to say Mikey Myers. Ooh, I always, I've weirdly enough been wanting to buy my own, um, what do they wear? What do you like, uh, <laughs> what is, you know, he wears like a, I hate to call it a jumpsuit. It's like a mechanic suit, right? Yeah, I want one of those. Yeah. Just like for stylistic purposes. I think it would be cool. And then you could, um, I could like squeeze out of the top and have the, you know, the arm <laughs> part hang or tie around my waist. I just think that would look cool, right? Mm. Yeah, that actually would be a really cool look where it's a, you are at lunch, but you've got like one of those white shirts as well under it. And it's all covered in blood where you've been stabbed in the different places. Oh, boy. And then you just have it like the mechanics onesie hanging off of you at your waist. And you got the white shirt and it's you got those blood stains. That actually kind of be cool. Yeah. And so somebody calls the cops and I got a <laughs> answer to it. it, it we're, we're recording on um, September 26th. So not quite. Mm-hmm. October, but it's coming up quick. Feels like it already. Because of what? Weather or? No, not weather this time. Um, I would just say it feels like it's just more fall. We are officially in fall. And maybe that's it. That's It's like a subliminal thing. Knowing that we are officially in the season of fall, I'm like, let's get this ball rolling. It's kind of like you're waiting for a Saw movie to end, and you're like, let's oh, get God. it over with. Let's just end it. <laughs> And that's kind of how it is. It's like, okay, well, summer. I love summer, and um, I, I will be sad to see parts of that season go, especially the sun going down sooner, especially daylight savings. Why the crap are we still acknowledging this whole daylight savings? Don't get me started on this rant. Weirdly enough, I kind of enjoy that it's getting darker earlier. There are times that I do. Most of the time, I don't. The main reason is because normally right now, at the time that we're recording, that's whenever it's like pitch black outside, I'm going home on my bike, and I just imagine Mikey Myers jumping out, and we've got the John Carpenter score that, and then I immediately I'm dead. Like I get stabbed to death on a bike by Mike Myers. That's what goes through my head. It's a worthy death. Now this is the week yeah. of Saw. Saw mm-hmm. X comes out in just a couple of days. Sadly, and um, I, I remembered one thing we didn't talk about when we did the September Rotten Tomatoes predictions. Uh, We obviously talked about Saw X and made those predictions. But I own every... And this really left you flabbergasted because we were were off mic when we started talking about this, but I was like, weirdly enough, I own every one of those movies except for um, Spiral because I bought like the digital collection. <laughs> that is so wild. And I've never seen I still haven't seen I think saw 6 7 and Jigsaw which is 8. Um so I'm going to I need to do that before the before I see this new one. Um even though this new one's a prequel, that's a, a whole other story, but you were like truly truly shocked. Yeah, I mean I honestly don't know who would who owns all like that was the first I've I've we've ever talked about it. I'm shocked that you do. What like 
But did you get a good deal? Like, was that the reason why you ended up getting them? They were like basically giving I, them away. I think it was probably the whole collection was like $30 on iTunes. And I'm like, okay. Okay. I'll do that. See, see, that's where I'm like, oh, all right. I, I could I could see where if that's the case, that's that seems more like I was just trying to piece in my mind what spawned you, what prompted you to end up getting all of those like that minus. Because Spiral... I would say when we ended up talking about that and podcast about it, I feel like that's a movie that we both enjoyed more than almost mo- all of the Saw movies, except for like the James Wan and like, I don't know. I Like all of them just bleed together. Yeah, they're literally just like, they're the same. I can't, except for the second one where the lady's thrown into a pit of needles. I didn't know <laughs> anything I, else. I remember the second one because it's like the haunted house basically. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm confident I bought it one because the collection was super cheap and I probably was like, I, I want to watch one of these and it just made sense. <laughs> and then just leading up to spiral, I know that's yeah. had it had to have been what I was like trying to do a saw binge and you know, having not seen the final three movies, I clearly gave up. Um, but I weirdly am looking forward, forward to Saw X. I don't know when I'm going to get to see it, but I was talking to somebody today at work and I was just saying, you know, the bulk of these movies I've seen in theaters and isn't it a strange, isn't it strange that I sat in a room (laughs) with a crowd of people and we watched that like people being tortured and like these insane, uh, a little puppet on a tricycle. Like it's all so (laughs) truly insane. And we just sat and we watched it and I thought that's like amazing. And then also incredibly just stupid. Oh, wow. See, that's where, yeah. I mean that I, I, man, I don't know. I can't tell you the last time I've seen a saw movie in the theater, except for spiral. But yeah, I mean, if you, Put it that way, it does seem like one of the most asinine things that's ever <laughs> happened. But it also is the great thing about movies is that it brings everyone together and we're all focused on one thing. And in this case, it was just massacre. We're not we're not focused on anyone in the theater trying to harm anyone. It's what's happening on screen that is drawing our attention. It's, I, you know... I. And we're probably eating too, which is also completely baffling. Will you, because you've been talking about this, about going to see Saw X right now. It's a debate. (laughs) Saw X or 10. Are we calling it X or 10? What's happening? I'm trying to figure out what's best. Um, We we had this conversation. It was referred to as Saw 10, but I like Saw X. It seems better. I just think it sounds cooler. Yeah. I... So a debate between Saw X or the creator with John David Washington, you've are you're kind of in a pickle. I've, it's almost like we need to open that discussion up of whether or not like who which movie if you had to like you could see one of those movies, but it's only one movie. Yeah, it's only a pickle because it's like I have a very small window window of time to see it, and they're roughly the same length. And, um, and and being a dad too, you've got you're on dad duty. Yeah, so it's like you have to prioritize. And honestly, I mean, the creator's the one that I want to see the most. But there is something about just cranking out a saw that <laughs> in that like quick window of time that I'm like, oh man, I 
might actually lean toward the more obscene movie. And like, it'll be one of those things yeah. where I walk out, I'm like, why didn't I see the other one? Good, yeah, I could see that. Especially because like the creator, as I was saying, I feel like there's going to be more that you're going to be rewarded for, for seeing that movie. And I, I don't know, I, I don't have high hopes for it, but I do feel like you'll be able to walk away from that saying, this was more interesting or insightful or whatever shots. Like it's just more inspiring or inspired than saw. It's X. just a better movie. Yeah. But I would imagine reviews are pretty good. We don't have any for saw X yet. <laughs> so I can't wait. I mean, I, what did we even guess for saw saw X? I think you had 13% or 10% or something. Yeah, Let me see. Cause I was looking at this earlier and as of right now, you are literally dead on, like, right at 81 with the creator. It's sitting at 81 on Rotten Tomatoes. You guessed 81. You guessed 78 for that. You guessed for Saw 10, 26, and I went with, because it is Saw 10, I went with 10, 10%. Ooh. I think I'm going to lose the creator. I think that's going to dip. That's yeah. not likely to go higher. So you probably get that one. I really can't imagine Saw getting that low, but it's also not impossible because it's done it already. Yeah. Like two or three times it's been around that mark. Yeah, I just think right now, and it's weird because it's like if a movie like that comes out now, is it the sign, this is going to sound strange, the sign of the times. Like is it where, you know, like for example, John Carpenter's The Thing. The movie came out, and it was almost like the time of, like, the state of not only the country, but the world. It's like, that's just too heavy of a movie to deal with right now. We can't, and then years later, it's respected. Not saying that Saw 10 or X will be recognized at the same level as John Carpenter's The Thing, but will, like, all of these Saw movies, does it come out at a time where people are like, I'm ready to see someone rip their eyeballs out, versus that's kind of, <laughs> that's too heavy they'll be sucked out yeah. i think what it's going to be is i think at this point 10 movies in we're we're probably more forgiving of saw True. towards maybe not anything new um and it's if it's competently made we can be like well it was judging by the other movies this was okay it's funny that how it has this hammock effect where it starts out and then it's like, oh, wow, like this is what we're trying to figure out what the movies are. So it's judged against its own predecessors. But then whenever it's like, OK, so this is the style that we're getting. Then it's judged more favorably because it's like this is what it is. And this is how it's done that better or worse. So it is this strange way of comparing it to its the franchise or movies within a franchise to the earlier editions as we go on. So I could see that going up in score because now we're like, all right, this is a Saw movie. This is what you expect. And you, like, if you're going to go into this expecting something else, like a haunting in Venice, well, then you're an idiot. There, There's no way you're going to get something like that. You're going to get a Saw movie. So we're not going to judge it on the same merits of that. We're going to judge it based on the other Saw movies. Is, uh, do we know if James Wan produced this new one? Is he still Ooh, actively? I, I bet he did. Isn't he a part of Twisted Pictures or whatever that... No, he has Atomic Monster. 
Yeah, yeah, he's Atomic Monster, but the team up with Blumhouse or Blum, Jason Blum, I don't that hasn't like officially gone through yet, has it? Like they were talking about it and they've been like close. From my understanding, is like they were planning on that. Oh yeah. So James Wan is executive producer on this. He was also an executive pro- no, I'm sorry, a producer on the Nun too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Insidious the Red Door. Anything that related that he kickstarted, which he did with Saw, leads me to believe that he has a hand in it somewhat. I bet he's not super handsy with this one. Yeah, so that looks like he EP'd Spiral and then Jigsaw, and then it looks like he's been, I mean, Saw 3D, Saw 6, 5, 4, three and two he ep'd all of those hmm interesting i feel like that in my mind elevates those movies even though it shouldn't just by having his name <laughs> slapped on there well speaking of james wan you and your wanathon which is literally going through the james wan filmography how many movies have you added to that list since we last podcasted i think just the conjuring but you couldn't add The Conjuring too. No, because for whatever reason, that's not on HBO Max um, or or just Max, as we call it. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm ha- halfway through uh, James Wan. I've started um, Child's Play. I did the remake and then I did last night the original. And I'm going to go through that series because I haven't seen anything. I don't think so. It's uh, past Child's Play 3. And that was a long time ago. Yeah. So I've I've been doing that, and I started watching that show, actually, which is mm. uh, d- decently made. It's entertaining, and then um, yeah, just watching spooky stuff. Um, as we mentioned, it is late September, but AMC has just been playing Scream and Scream Two. Oh yeah, nonstop. It's like they they've gotten a jump on the the old Fear Fest, mm-hmm. and I mentioned weeks ago uh, about my baby, uh, baby Layton, that, you know, late at night, my I, my wife would go to sleep and I would put the baby, I would put Layton to sleep and I would just be having this, uh, whatever, like a horror film playing on TV and that's the sounds of screaming and um, <laughs> yelling <laughs> and violence is what, uh, you know, soothed her to sleep. And I get a text and this was m- weeks ago. Uh, I get a text from my wife today, and she's like, yeah, uh, Leighton, you know, not wanting to sleep, take her naps during the day again. That's been an issue every other day. It seems like she doesn't want to go down for her naps. But she was like, I, I turned Scream on. It's on AMC, and she went right to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's my girl, I think. I think I've uh, – that's how we know you're mine, is you're falling asleep to uh, Billy Loomis and Stu terrorizing <laughs> and killing kids. Um, but that made me happy and proud. And I can't wait for Fear Fest to start on AMC. It's literally one of my favorite things every single year. Just knowing, and I can't fully explain this, and I know I've said this before, but I could be at work doing something away from the TV, but it's like knowing that like Halloween 4 is on AMC mm. or something somehow you know, calms my soul. Yeah. I love it so much. And you just come come home, flip it on, like what's going to be on right now? 
So that's always exciting about October. And we got a lot of great things this month. This is, uh, I think I might officially say this is the the biggest month when it comes to new pop culture items that we've ever had. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think is that a, is that uh, an overstatement? No, I'm because I know during the summer there was the month of like June going into July where it was like there was a lot and it was that we've talked about that a lot, but then this it's different. There's a nice variety, and no, I think I think you're 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 spot on for that because. Now, I'm really curious to see what you've got because you had mentioned before that you were going to have the trifecta of new music that has that will be released in the month, but that is no longer the case because of Martin Scorsese. Well, not because of Marty. I'm not going to tell you why, <laughs> uh, but it was the music trifecta, including one that I'm officially locking as my most anticipated thing of anything in 2023, and it's probably not what you expect. Hopefully it's the gorillas. It is not the gorillas, but um, <laughs> I did two albums and a, and a feature film. Hmm. If I don't know, should we just dive in? This month is crazy. I almost want to say what didn't make the list. Yeah, I now I'm really curious. Like a, like right off the bat, is that weird? No, because uh, there's there's a lot. I know you've talked about this. I mean, a, at one point I literally stopped keeping track because I locked in my three, and I had a big list. And I go, there's no point. I had to do that because I'm like, and it's also making me a little bummed to see some of this stuff. But at the same time, I this is truly September is always that the starting, getting the gears going. But for me, I'm the same as you talking about the beginning of like Fear Fest and just scary movies, scary movie season. For me, that's where I'm looking at everything, and I'm like, I. I ha- I'm sticking pretty close to a lot of that. So, um, but yeah, I'm, what didn't make your list? So I had music from the Menzingers, which was originally in my top three. Uh, Taking Back Sunday has a new album. Sufjan Stevens has a new album. Loki season two, uh, I think looks entertaining and fun. Uh, so far, everything that I've seen, I'm like, that feels like the Marvel that I've been missing. Uh, Goosebumps was originally in my top three until I mm. saw that freaking trailer. <laughs> and then I was like, I I will watch you, but I'm not going to, um, you're not earning a spot <laughs> in my uh, precious top three. We have Exorcist uh, Believer from David Gordon Green, which doesn't look great, but I'm still going to go see it. I'm still intrigued. It's is it because of DG uh, Gene? That is the number one reason. And again, I was a huge okay. fan of what they did with the Halloween trilogy. I know, I believe I'm in the minority because every time I get on the internet, the internet tells me how trashy the trilogy was, especially Halloween ends, and I just don't agree. I think that's underrated. <laughs> and I think in 25 years, we're going to look back and go, man, that one's freaking awesome. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's looks like a fun Halloween movie. Mm. And that's where I stopped keeping track. Uh, obviously, Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon, that's not in my top three. But oh, wow. New Marty is going to be amazing. Three and a half hours. Get your tickets right now. <laughs> so that's what I'm curious if that's in yours. And I don't think we're going to have any overlap. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah. I, well, do you have music? Okay. What do you have? 
I, I almost, so you were talking about music and, and you were going over that. I did end up bumping out. Um, we do have, obviously, new Rolling Stones. Go back and listen to our last podcast episode. I won't go over that. But um, so that's coming out on the 20th. And then Drake is dropping a new album, which I'm curious to see, like how that especially comparing it to his last album. But um, those are the I don't two think we've ever mentioned Drake on this podcast before. Uh, I don't think I have talked a lot. Um, I know in the last album it didn't make the list. Um, but are you are you a fan? Mm. So so. I would say indifferent. I don't have an opinion. There's some things I like, and then I've never listened to a whole album. Yeah. Well, that's where I, um, I'm very, right now I'm in a very weird stage of music where I, I've been jumping around listening to like music that's so wildly different, um, which has been, uh, there was like a new mix that Tiesto released and being on the bike I like something that gets me, you know, gets my blood pumping. So I've been listening to that. Um, Dua Lipa freaking released the Moonlight Edition uh, this summer of Future Nostalgia, uh, featuring a few songs that you can only get on that. Uh, again, that's been something on my list. Miley Cyrus, all the way down to uh, Scott Bradley's in the uh, Postmodern Jukebox Band. Like, things like that, it's like all over the place. Um, really, really weird like if you look at my list, I think Apple's having a hard time being like, why are you? They can't, they can't configure what should be recommended. What's going on? Yeah, and then um, I mean I could go on and on because I just keep changing. I'll, I've been going down the rabbit hole recently, and there's even a local band here uh, in the Ozarks, and they're actually like I'm really really looking forward to what they'll what they're going to put out. They've released two singles so far, and their first one I was listening on a loop for a really long time. Um, so it's been musically speaking all over the place for me. And that's where like looking at this month as well, it's kind of the same. It's, I feel like October music releases are representing a little bit of how I'm feeling right now, which is interesting. I'm, I've been sampling a ton, but that's also the same. I will say music did not make my list. I almost had the trifecta of movies, music, TV, but I I did not. I, I bumped music out. It was very close. Ooh. All right. So I'll jump in to my number three. And I weirdly feel some pressure because I did say that, you know, this number one is my most anticipated of the year. And I feel like I've just set up um, expectation, expectations and I just don't think it's going to be received. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, it's, it's like something that means a lot to me, but I don't know if you know who this band is and you, if you don't, it's just like, whatever we, we it's just like talking about music obviously. But, um, I feel this weird pressure. Um, and I can't fully explain it. <laughs> well, especially, <laughs> especially since when you've mentioned a few, um, and we've ended up having good conversations. So now I'm like, I'm, I'm really intrigued. I think there's a, there's a massive album that's coming out in October that I think 98% of the people that know me would assume is my number one. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And that I think is going to be the, the letdown. Well, but see, that's th- where I sent you a music video, uh, from Blink-182. And I was yeah. like, well, we'll find out where that is on the list, but <laughs> Is not number three because my number three is a movie. 
It's an action thriller from the always amazing David Fincher. It's called The Killer. Oh, yeah. Starring Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton as the two, I would say, big leads for this movie. It hits theaters for a very small amount of time on October 27th before jumping to Netflix on November 10th. Um, This is based on a French graphic novel. And I think the teaser is amazing. We talked about this last time. It's like everything that Fincher's done rolled into one. But if it didn't have his name attached to it, I don't Mm -hmm. know if the plot synopsis would be enough for me to be super interested because it sounds like something we've seen a million times. Yeah. An assassin gets mixed up in an international manhunt after a hit goes wrong. I feel like we've seen that. A lot. Um, a lot, which is concerning. But it's Fincher. It's Fassbender. Reviews are good. I think this looks good. Netflix is another ding where I'm like, ugh. But I think it's, I again, it looks great. I think it's probably, hopefully for me at least, a return to form for Fincher because I liked yeah. Mank. I watched Mank for the first time a couple months ago. Shortly okay. after my daughter was born, and it's a Netflix film. Mm-hmm. And if we're factoring in rewatchability, which I think you have to if yeah. you're ranking someone's filmography, that's my least favorite Fincher. It's not. It's a good movie, but it's just not one that I will ever watch again. Hmm. I really can't imagine a reason why I would want to. So I'm hoping this is more of a traditional Fincher, and it appears to be. And I'm very excited, very hyped. This is... I hope we get this in our theaters um, because I would love to see this on the big screen, even though the wait to get it, you know, at home is not very long. Yeah. And I, any Fincher, I think almost warrants a theatrical watch. Like there are some filmmakers like Marty is that way. And it's, you have to, it's almost like you have to see it on the big screen. Obviously you don't have to, but in my mind I'm like this would like it's all it's like they they make movies so you can see it as big as possible. But I agree about Fincher and this movie, it is I've thought more about it, but I think it's just that idea of this is new Fincher. And even I know you said that the Netflix is a ding, but I I don't know, like he's kind of had a deal going on with Netflix and apparently he's like found his home and Look at, say, The Irishman. That didn't stop Marty from making That's true. He made a movie. Marty film. Yeah. And, and Fincher seems to, you know, appreciate the freedom that they've given him. And this this doesn't look like a cheap Netflix movie. It looks like a Fincher yeah. film. So mm-hmm. um, maybe I shouldn't knock it for that. But, you know, we've been burned so many times with just an overload of crap that... There is a hesitation even when it's someone top tier like Fincher or Marty doing it. Yeah. At least for me, I just it's hard for me not to think of of Netflix in a semi-negative light because of that. Sure. Yeah. And that I think that's more than understandable for sure, especially with their movies. I think we can look at their TV shows maybe judged on a different basis because it seems like it's almost like if you have more time to explore that for some reason, it works out better. Not all the time, but I think their track record's 
just overall um, less of a tarnished gem, uh, you know, whereas their movies, it's kind of like they crap out so many movies. How many of those are stinkers and how many of those are, are great? I think I, I've got a good feeling about this. Hopefully this will be a great movie and also be a great Fincher movie that you can return to and rewatch. But it looks good. It looks really good. Better than Mank. Were you a fan of Mank? I can't remember I, if we talked about it. That was one of the movies I did not see that year. And the Ooh, weird thing that goes we, back. The only reason I'm serious, the only reason I sat down a couple months ago to watch it was because it was Fincher. Yeah. I had absolutely no desire to see it. It's not necessarily something I'm super interested in. I know it was a passion project in a lot of ways for him. And I appreciate that. I think the performances are good, but man, I just, I don't ever want to see that again, really. Yeah, I've, I, that movie, whenever it came out, and this was when we had a discussion of whenever you have it on online streaming, or Mm -hmm. if you can go to a theater, the weird thing is, even though it's so easy and accessible at home, if you've got the streaming service, yet we will say, eh, I'm going to, I'll go see the movies in the theater because that is that has like a sense of urgency. If you don't see it now, then you don't know when you will see it. But it's it's so weird this odd way of viewing that. But that's where Mink, you know, that was at the time when they were releasing several big movies and several were getting nominated or at least getting a lot of attention, I should say. Mink was on that list and it just got lumped in with the rest of those. I still haven't seen it. I mean, it looks good and I know with it being Fincher, it is probably good, but I just don't have any interest really. And it's sad because like you said, it is a passion project, was a passion project. I just don't, like there's not a lot drawing me into that movie. I'm going to pivot from a Netflix movie that you have to talking about a Netflix show. And who Fincher obviously has really enjoyed his time. This will be the final project for this filmmaker. I almost brought this man up when you were talking about quality of TV shows. I say, well, there's one guy that sticks out, though. In hindsight, he's had some very negative things to say about Netflix. True. And that's where I think we're seeing the end of Mike Flanagan at Netflix, who's departing after the the show, which makes my number three, which is The Fall of the House of Usher, coming out on Netflix October 12th. This is the third part in the series, if you will, that are disconnected, but they're like spiritual sequels, if you will, to each other. Uh, they're only connected in terms of the actors, and then also um, kind of following the stories, uh, written works uh, that have come before it. Um, this is going to be very interesting because once again, Mike Flanagan is at the helm and he is show running this, a uh, writer, director. He's got a lot of the cast members who he's used before, but he's bringing in a few others who we haven't seen, one being Mark Hamill and someone we brought up in the last podcast and that's Bruce Greenwood. We are mm. seeing Bruce uh, pop up in this. Buff and Bruce. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. I, what do you think the chances are that we'll get a shirtless Bruce scene? Uh, I'm going to say 
I hope I hope that's going to end up being really high. Um, but this is uh, I hope it's higher than that. Uh, I, quite frankly, I hope we do see him. This is interesting because I've read really good things about this so far. And this takes the works of Edgar Allan Poe and mixes in uh, kind of a it's a horror series um, based on multiple stories, if you will, from Edgar Allan Poe. I'm really pumped to see this. Um, you know, the sad thing, I will say disclaimer, because this needs to be known. Mike Flanagan, I really dug um, The Haunting of Hill House, probably not as much as others. I think the show, it's a miniseries that ranks far above that is Midnight Mass. Oh, I agree. I, I saw a ranking on some website the other day and they had midnight mass number two and then hill house number one i still haven't seen bly manor i have not either that was going to be my disclaimer yeah so that's the one that i have not seen midnight club was not good in my opinion so hopefully this is you went from midnight mass which i think is just like top tier to midnight club which was just not good at all yeah and then hopefully this is a, a good swan song for the old netflix yeah. because old flanny's jumping to amazon yep and i'm i'm really 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 curious to see what he'll end up doing of course he is all about the stephen king works i will say and i stand by this when dr sleep came out there were there was a lot of negative negativity towards dr sleep i stand by dr sleep is such a good movie and I, I love that movie so much. Um, that is a movie that I've added every single year. I will do a, uh, a watch of The Shining and Dr. Sleep. Um, man, that movie's good. I just, there's something I think down the road, we're going to end up talking more about that. But I don't think we're going to talk more about The Midnight Club. <laughs> no. Uh, unfortunately it being a colossal disappointment i was so Uh, hyped for that one and it just yeah i i couldn't wait for it to end oh boy yeah yeah that i I feel the same way and then uh it's funny because i had heard for so long that the haunting of hill house when it came out in 2018 so many people were talking about it and that's uh so i had mentioned the three part or that there there's this trilogy if you will of shows um that includes um, the fall, uh, and and that will be what started it off was the haunt, uh, yeah, the haunting of Hell House, and then we've got the haunting of Bly Manor, and now of course we end up having the fall of the House of Usher, which I feel like that the title is very clunky to say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one caveat with that. Otherwise, I'm very excited. This will kick off the spooky season in such a great way. I think the trailer is a banger of a trailer. It looks so good. looks so good. Um, I might rewatch that after we finish podcasting. I might stop this whole thing right now <laughs> and rewatch it. Yeah, I need to do Bly Manor. I would like to do that this month. I might, or yeah, in October. Let's do that. Yeah, actually, speaking of that, I might uh, coming up. I know this this upcoming weekend is going to be a little chaotic, but I might do Bly right before. I may try to squeeze that in before Usher because that would be that would be good. I'd like to because Hill House. I'm not going to say Hill House was overrated. It just was hyped by a lot of people who I talked to. Like you're going to love this. You're going to love like this is right up your alley. And I watch. I'm like it's good. It's just like 
there it's not to what you're saying it is and um now don't get me wrong it was very good uh, and mike flanagan man that guy i'm so he's another filmmaker um i'm so so excited to see what else he creates beyond this and he's now kind of graduated if you will to a director of every single project he releases i'm gonna be there for it i'm ready for it i'm excited to see what he comes out with but this is the most recent mike flanagan and so he does the uh, Dark Tower, Ooh, which he bring consistently it on, says that he's got the plan, how they want to do it, and it's coming along nice. So we'll find out soon. Um, Let's hope so. Should I go to number dose? Yeah. My, I'm ready for uh, your Blink-182. Yeah, my... <laughs> um, yeah, two albums round out my top two. Um, <laughs> my number two is something that was teased almost uh, a full year ago. Really, they dropped a new song called Edging, and uh, that was way back last October, and they said, hey, we got a new album coming out. And just a couple weeks ago, maybe just last week, maybe two weeks ago, they officially announced... One more time, coming out October 20th. It's the new album from Blink-182. And as the band likes to say, it's mom and dad back together again because <laughs> guitarist and vocalist Tom DeLonge rejoined the band last year. He had been away seven years. They had um, a very roller coaster relationship with the band. If you don't know, you can read all about it. <laughs> and it was... Um, it was sad because I, they've been a consistent band in my life since 1997 when they released Dude Ranch. Yeah. And that's 26 years. I did the math. And that's that, nuts. That is hard to believe that more than half of my life I've been listening to this band. Um, this is, uh, again, called One More Time. It's 17, 17 tracks long. Uh, three, three, which I usually hate, but in this case, I'm like, bring it on. And I imagine some of these are going to be real quick. Maybe yeah, a few jokey tracks in there. Mm-hmm. They've released three songs so far. Um, I, you know, I mentioned Tom being back after he had been gone for so long, and I kind of never understood his value in the band until he was gone, and. They released two albums without him. And I like those I like those albums. But it was with that music that I realized how much Tom brings to the band and how much I missed him. So having him back, having everyone on good terms together is freaking amazing. And I I don't know if you have memories like this, but like the release of their album Take Off Your Pants and Jacket in 2001 and then their release of their self-titled album in 2003, the lead-up to those albums coming out is like still burned into my mind. Like Those are such exciting times to be looking forward to that or seeing the band on like TRL, like throwing copies into the crowd. Yeah. I mean, it music's not done that way anymore, which is a bummer where it's like, you looked forward to having to go to the store and yeah. buy it. And I miss that aspect of it. But I have memories of like those two specifically, those releases 
that I literally still think about when I think about this band. Like it, it meant a lot when they came out. So I'm very excited for this. Um, I, I, I'm happy Tom's back. Like I said, I, I really, and maybe my expectations are too high. I think this could honestly be their best album. I feel like all, everything like happened for a reason and they're back together. And then what happens when you're back with like your best friends again, making music, I think it's going to be freaking magic. I hope it's great. And the three songs they've come out that are released so far. Um, I like, I mean, maybe it's not top tier blink for me, but, uh, man, I'm, I'm just like hyped. This is so great to have this band back to my life, like feeling like they, they are completely back together. And they've been doing their tour, which has just been like off the charts in terms of how much money it's made, which is incredible in the current state of how like music is nowadays, especially post COVID. I think it's their most profitable tour ever. Um, They were in Nashville back in July and it just happened to coincide like days before my baby, <laughs> uh, baby daughter was coming. So we, I couldn't go, but my goodness, I want to see them back together again. That's like, would be hopefully in the next couple of years, I can get out and do that because man, I want to see them again. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun to, to see them. And I, I mean, right now, if they, with nine, their last album, which came out four years ago in 2019 to now, one more time. Do you think that this is, do you think this could be a swan song? Yeah. I've wondered you come back together and release one last album. That's 17 but I, tracks. I hope not. That would be a little disappointing in terms of like, it almost feels like a tease. I would say that they will have another album. It makes me wonder if they could end up doing what the red hot chili peppers ended up doing this year with a dual album release and they drop this and then by the end of the year or beginning of next year, I mean, 17 songs, it makes me wonder if they just went in, cranked it out and they were super inspired that they've got a lot of stuff. Even if they don't do that, I could see them releasing a, uh, like a, a, a long, longer version of the album and they end up coming out with that maybe around christmas this year or next yeah like a like a your deluxe or whatever see i don't think they i don't think they went in and cranked it out though because edging came out last october which means they would have had to come together write it and record it i would say probably summer of Mm -hmm. 2022 and when they when that song came out, they took pre-orders for this new album. And it's, I think by the time this comes out on the 20th, it's a full year, over a full year. So I don't think they, um, I don't think they went and just blew, like, I think they took their time with it, which I'm, I'm happy about. Uh, but God, it just feels good to have a staple of your, like the music that you always go back to. Cause I, there's never been a period in my life where I haven't listened to them at some point repeatedly during a year, you know, like they're consistently releasing music and they're just one of my favorite bands. So to have them at full force again, and then again, 26 years of my life listening to these guys, that's, 
it makes me feel old, makes me want to throw up a little bit, but it also makes me happy. Like they've been a, a like my friends growing up. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, that is a really fun thing though, whenever you do have a band, especially from when you start at, you know, when they start and when you started listening to them to 20 more than, you know, it's almost 30 years. I mean, the, like you were saying, we've lived longer with them than without them at this point. And <laughs> Which <laughs> I can't even, I yeah, honestly can't even wrap my head around that. It, it doesn't seem real like that. It's just unbelievable because that itself is something that I think is a testament of, even though they disagree and come back and then it is back and forth that they're still able to create music. There's, you know, every single band deals with that, those growing pains, if you will. But the fact that they are able to come back, create this album, I'm actually very curious. And especially whenever it's funny, because when I sent you the music video, um, the first music video I saw from them outside of edging and you, it was funny. I, I think I looked and it's like two hours. It had been released for like two or three hours. And you're like, yeah, I'd seen it earlier today. <laughs> well, it was the thing. They, we knew they were coming. We knew songs were coming yeah. or at least one. And then they did, they dropped two. And it was like, uh, woke up bright and early Thursday, had them downloaded on Spotify. So when I drove to work, I could just crank them. And, uh, one more time. It's, I liked, I liked the song a lot. It's not, necessarily what I want to listen to from Blink-182. Yeah. Uh, jamming in my car on the way to work, because it's a very serious, sad song about, well, it's sad in ways, of, you know, the hardships in life that happen, and then that's what brings you back together, and it's kind of a bummer that things like that have to happen for you to realize what's what's important. But um, it's a good song. I think the second song they released that day is uh it's more than you know and i think that is that's what i want from my blink 182 like when you're when you're dropping singles that's a banger i love it i can't wait to hear the other 14 tracks i mean it it starts off with anthem part three which i mean anthem part two on take off your pants and jacket is one of my absolute all-time favorite openers and then obviously we have anthem on um it's not enema is that yeah, Anima of the State uh, anthems on there. So I just like that we're getting like these song sequels. And I don't know. And it's just, it, it, I'm happy. I, I'm so ha- it was, it was great to have them back, to have the new, uh, the, the new, you know, announced new album. And then we finally get it, and where it's coming, and it's something to look forward to. And I can't wait. Well, and that it is funny, you know, looking at the them releasing this new music. But one you had mentioned too earlier of how music is not consumed or purchased like it was before this idea of the build-up the lead-up to it it's not the same i remember that as well those days especially from enema and then following them for the next three albums basically it was really interesting how much music videos played into that hype of getting you excited and then now looking at where you see a video I still get excited about music videos, but just the fact that you end up, it, you know, you're not waiting and you're watching MTV and you're you're hoping that it ends up dropping and you got to like, you know, stay yeah. and, and stay glued to it. That I always thought was like, 
there's something about that that I will always feel nostalgia for. And then you get that quick hit and it's like, oh man, that was awesome. And then you think about it and you're like, I want to see it again. That's what Blink, the peak of my Blink days of listening to that, not necessarily saying I have stopped listening to them because I'll return to them every now and again. But that's what, like deep in the recesses of my mind, I will always remember about Blink-182 is whenever, especially, you know, the turn of the, you know, 2000 and then looking at Jack at that album of those videos and then it's, you're waiting for that and it just, it's so cool. Like it's just, there's something about that. I love that we now have kind of that side of things. Like we know what it was like at that time with music videos to now it's like so accessible. It's like, oh, I want to watch it. I'll go watch it. Like I'll do it right now. So, but yeah, there's something fun about that. And Blink always brings that out, especially in their music, even now. Now there was rumors that this, there was, it was going to be like a, because they had a website and it was like counting down and, and there was rumors like, you know, a surprise album drop and, Going back to just like the release style, I was like, I don't want this album to just suddenly be available. I want a release date so I can look forward to it. And I know that's old fashioned, but I'm glad they didn't do that. I'm glad they it was it was counting down for these songs and not just dropping, you know, 15 tracks. Yeah. And this is the album. So. Um, yeah, well, that's I really I really need to order they have so many vinyl options and it just feels like something i need to do i just haven't done yet well i'm i'm excited for you with this album because this is this will be a fun one to listen to and i will be i will definitely be cranking it as well on the same day as the rolling stones drop their album <laughs> a couple of old timers <laughs> oh yeah one more so timey bands <laughs> one more than the other but um yeah it's it will still be a fun it will still be a fun lesson it'd be great if the stones just had like a bunch of uh like kind of old school blink songs just talking about penises and stuff <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to like they were trying to turn back the clock essentially uh, that's that would you know i want to really um I want to put it past them. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping they do something like that. Aerosmith did that, and every, everyone was like, um, everyone's like, yeah, I don't really know how I feel about that. <laughs> Even your, but most of the, like the hardcore fans are like, oh come on, like this is like, you know, it's still like old Aerosmith, but whatever. So, but that Blink's album that will be a lot of fun to listen to. Um. Now, you are very set. You're very sure about your number two. My number two, I'm not as set on. Like, I've got it high because of one ingredient. There's one thing. And I actually found out about this through you, even though, like, I this was something that was talked about weeks and months prior to actually getting this official announcement, which came with this article that you sent me saying that John Carpenter is returning to direct. And it is not a movie, but rather it's John Carpenter's Suburban Screams dropping on Peacock on Friday the 13th. And I'm excited because it's John Carpenter returning. This looks very interesting in terms of taking 
these horror stories, if you will, and you're mixing basically this idea of um, like people explaining this and also having a reenactment. And I don't know really what to think right now because I want this to be really good. I want this to be so good that Johnny C has to return and direct more. And he's he's like, this has rejuvenated my love, my passion. There's so much that, you know, I can't I can't be away from this. I don't think that's gonna happen, unfortunately. Yeah, I think he's more content just like blazing the doobie up and just chilling out, <laughs> playing video games and uh crafting a new horror classic. Which I can't I mean I can't really blame the guy because I don't blame the guy for that, no. Um Especially the hand that he's been dealt, but we are going to get six episodes, and this will be interesting to see what happens with this because we also have three other directors in addition to John Carpenter who's attached to this. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he did it all. I just yeah. So leading that's, that's disappointing. So that's another thing where I'm like, so how much of this will be Johnny C? And, and I assume he's only directing the reenactments. Oh man, I do, that's a great question. Because there's no way he's sitting there interviewing people. Yeah, I I can't you imagine know? that. I cannot imagine this, that. This was almost in my top three too. And that's the reason why is because we do have John Carpenter. That's the one that's ingredient. I do. I really the only ingredient. Yeah, honestly, I do think yeah. this looks good though. Like it looks entertaining. It looks interesting. I will say I do think there's almost a cheapness to this that scares yeah, me it's, just, it's that peacock effect yeah and again it peacock's goes, just like they their stuff just feels cheap as hell yeah and it this does have that twisted metal you know quality of oh it God. just it just looks bad at, at times i'm not going to say the entire thing but i am i'm holding out hope that this could be good and i know both of us want john we want more john carpenter i will always feel that sense of that fandom that's that negative fandom coming back just like always want a new stephen king novel a new stephen king story but john carpenter is like i just i can't wait no matter how he's involved in directing even if there's like we find out he only did like five percent it's like okay i want to find out what that five percent is and i want to see you know what did he do what what was it did he do something a little different uh, how did he tell the story? Now, we talked about this, and this was off the show, but this reminds me of Body Bags, something that was an anthology series that John Carpenter had created. And it was available to stream um, at, at one time. And I'm searching right now to see... I think it's like on Tubi or something. I feel like I just saw it, or Freebie or somewhere. Yeah, it's on Freebie. Claims to be also on Peacock and then AMC+. Plus. But in Body Bags, this is three short stories that um, basically John Carpenter kind of works a little bit as the Crypt Keeper. He plays the corner, and he sets these stories up. And this was... So having Body Bags was almost like John Carpenter saying... I wanted to do a Halloween story of his original idea for Halloween, not just focusing on Michael Myers, but 
looking at multiple stories on Halloween. That's what body bags reminded me of. It's not set all on Halloween, but there's this element of where we follow a different creepy story that happens. Um, and it's just an anthology series. And that was what he wanted to do with Halloween. I kind of wonder with Suburban Screams, he's taking that idea yet again and applying having people sit down and this documentary, you know, of them walking us through this story. This reminds me a little bit of lore, what they ended up doing on Amazon Prime with the Aaron Mankey podcast, where it's talking about various things and walking you through this, um, almost like a real life uh, reenactment, if you will. will. And then um, I do hope, I know we had talked about this um, a little bit texting, but it was with Halloween, now that we have seen reports that Halloween, the franchise is being shopped around after, as we mentioned earlier, David Gordon Green now focused on the pol or poltergeist on the poltergeist, <laughs> a new trilogy. Yeah, it's going to be after now um, the exorcism trilogy. Craig T. Does. Nelson is back. Yeah, so, so, but so um, Halloween's being shopped around. It's going to include movies and TV. I would love to see if JC was able to do. And I've thought more about this after we've talked, but a TV version, not necessarily TV, but like a streaming or something where we see his idea brought to life and it is in the lieu of body bags mixed with Halloween and we get different stories on Halloween night. Um, that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. And hopefully this will be kind of edging toward that. And then we get JC doing a show based on that. And then maybe we'll get a Halloween movie and JC's like, that's all in my career. That's my swan song. That's my Quentin Tarantino swan song. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I think the anthology idea is is maybe interesting as a, a little detour before we jump back into Haddonfield and Michael because we know we will see Michael again. There's no way we won't. Yeah, I just don't know where you take that franchise, but I'm also not. Um, in that group of people that don't want to see that again, because I absolutely do. Yeah, I want to see uh, different versions of it, even if it's a, a weird detour, like what Rob Zombie did. Like I'm all for it. Just give me more. And I think that's we'll end up getting that probably to set set up those films. But I feel like, especially Halloween, the way Carpenter feels, it's going to be a tough sell to get him back on that. Um, yeah, there's, there's no way if David Gordon Green could not get, if David Gordon Green, Danny McBride, if they could not get him on board or Jason Blum, I don't think JC's going to come back. But, um, I mean, we are getting a, they live another, they live, uh, project. And of course, radio silence is working on that. Um, I don't think that thing's happening anymore, by the way. Oh, I hope not. I really, I really I, hope not. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Ra Radio Silence working on the uh, Escape from New York. Um, I just, man, I don't want that. I really don't. Unless we get Wyatt Russell. No, I I don't. I don't enjoy him. I don't know why you like him so much. Really? You don't like Wyatt? Some, he's okay. Something about his face I don't oh, like. It's, it's I, Kurt's face. It's not Kurt's face. I don't think he looks like Kurt really at all. Um, He's got a face you just want to punch. Oh. <laughs> I can't fully explain it. Man, I, I, I love I think it's because that bad uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier show. Yeah, and that. He's awful on that. That show sucks. 
he see i thought he did a good job in it he did a good enough job for everyone to dislike him but yeah that's um, true maybe that was intentional yeah and that that's that's kind of how i read that but yeah so anyways uh wrapping up the uh john carpenter talk that's why i'm excited for the show i'm but also i'm not as set in stone as you are with the uh, blink 182 number two pick so i'm i'm Reluctantly optimistic. How about that? I mean, that's okay. I already know you're number one now. It's already mm. locked in. <laughs> I think this is going to be, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty it's, simple. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just turned around, by the way, and AMC has Scream 2 on, and they just did the big, the big killer reveal. Loves. The big, uh, the big reveal. Okay, so my number one has something in common. Did we just spoil Scream 2 for those listeners that haven't seen yeah, it for some I was reason? G- I was going to say maybe should have. <laughs> <Yes>. Partial- <laughs> it's partially spoiled. I mean, I know that movie came out in like 1997. I think that was a yeah. year right after Scream. Um, I'm not going to. Mm. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I mean, shame on you. And, and spoiler alert: There's more than one killer. So, oh yeah, hi-yo. Um, so my number one has my my number. Why well, I'm all confused because of Scream Two. <laughs> my number one and two have something in common. They're both albums from bands that are coming back after a long hiatus. Uh, like I mentioned, with Blink One Eighty Two, the band continued without Tom, but you know, having him back in the group it feels like uh they are back together even though they you know technically never left now my number one is a band that went on hiatus and i honestly didn't think i would ever see them together again and it's uh i feel like this is just going to be a wet fart because i've hyped (laughs) it up (laughs) but have you ever heard or listened to the gaslight anthem oh yeah well they're back with their sixth album it's called History Books, and it comes out October 27th. Yeah. And like with Blink-182, this band has been very important to me for the past 15, not as long, 26 years, but 15 years I've been listening to Gaslight Anthem They when they released um, the 59 Sound way mm-hmm. back in 2008. This is their first new album since Get Hurt, which came out in 2014. So they put that album out. The next summer they say, hey, we're going on hiatus. And honestly, it was quiet. Brian, the lead singer, re- released his solo albums, which were all very enjoyable. Um, but I, you know, they were happy not being in a band together for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And I was like, I, I think we've seen the last of them, sadly. And then last March, they they announced they were officially a full-time band again, and they were working on new music. And that filled me with joy that um, I can only compare to even something like Blink-182 when I'm like, oh my gosh, we're getting new Blink? This is amazing. Yeah. Musically, I'm not entirely sure what to expect from this because they are obviously older. They're probably not going to rock out like they used to. Even though they're still a rock band, you know, they're going to sound like a rock band. I just don't think it'll be uh, as, I don't even know if you, you, I wouldn't really call their early stuff like punk rock, but Mm -hmm. I don't expect that. And that's okay. 
I, they've released three of the 10 songs so far, and I've liked all three. Um, Which is your favorite? Oh, my is, gosh. Is Would it be because just because the boss is with them on history books, it's got to be that? I was going to mention, um, yeah, Bruce... Bruce Springsteen being on one of these songs. And if you know the band, their music, their early music is so heavily inspired by Springsteen, mm-hmm. literally lifting some of his lyrics, putting it into the, their own <laughs> and like fun, uh, like not in a, a ch- you know, cheating type of way, just like honoring the people that they loved. And to have him on one of these songs to see that and hear that full come full circle. I think that's freaking awesome. That honestly to me was a big surprise seeing that Bruce was featured on history books. And it makes me wonder if, especially if their approach to this is really diving into that side of things to do their own ode. I know they've, they've given those acknowledgements you know, in the past, like you were saying, but I wonder if now it's like, okay, this is us paving our own, like literally we're at the fork in the road. We're older. Yeah. And we're creating our own without relying so heavily on the boss. Well, I, I feel like they, you know, with sink or swim, that's their first one. It's, it's a, a punky rock vibe, 59 sound. I think is really, that's when you're getting your Springsteen, American slang has that feel to it. And then handwritten comes out. And I think that's them deviating into themselves the most. Like if you have never listened to this band, I think I would start from the beginning. Cause I think it just narratively makes sense. The sound changing through those albums. Uh, it all makes sense. But like the 59 sound is one of my all-time favorites. I think that's a great one to start if you just wanted to listen to a random one. And I think Handwritten, which came out four years later, that's probably my favorite. Um, That's them, I think, at their peak. And then Get Hurt was, I think, pretty divisive. That was... Mm. I think that's them at a band at a low point. I think you can kind of tell. I think I like that one a lot. It's my least favorite, though, and I think it's them doing music to do music because that's what they were, you know, you're in a band and you're supposed to do. I don't think they were necessarily happy. And I know Brian was, like, going through a divorce at the time, and lyrically it's dark. I think Brian writes some of my absolute favorite lyrics, especially, like, his solo stuff. He he released an album uh, called Local Honey in 2020, which is weird to think back because it came out in March of 2020, which is like when the pandemic mm-hmm. was starting to really take hold. And I don't really remember that coming out. I remember it coming out and then obviously COVID hit and that was our focus. But I spend so much time with Local Honey at this point. And speaking of Scream, they used one of his songs from that album in Scream 6. And every time I hear it, I think of freaking Scream 6 and like Jenna Ortega because it's <laughs> it's her and like Mason Gooding and it's when like their romance is about to finally bloom and they're like on the bed. I think they're like about to kiss or they are and that song's playing. So every time I hear it, I think about them, um, which is funny. And it's it came out 
you know, years before Scream 6 was released. So that was like a weird, like, oh, this is, they chose a Brian Fallon song of all songs. Um, and it's a great track. But yeah, this is definitely, when I knew they were back last year, this was always at like my top of, um, I, I'm, I'm just like max, maximum excited. I can't wait for whatever it's going to be. I love this band. I love Brian's lyrics so much and the music in general. And um, so no matter, I mean, it just happens to come out in October, which is like the craziest month of stuff that we've had in a long time. But this is genuinely the most excited I've been for anything in a long time. And then as we've already talked about two weeks ago or so, Blink announces that they're dropping their album a week before this. Yeah, Uh, I mean, this feels like two holidays and three, you know, we got Halloween, (laughs) like, a couple days after uh, history books comes out. So, um, yeah, no, I love this band so much. I just feel like I don't really know a lot of people that know them, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, you, you clearly know something cause you, you mentioned the boss being on a track. So do you have a, have you listened to them a lot or no? Not a lot, but, and it started, it's funny because I pulled up uh, their their list to see the other uh, songs that are on the album and it immediately uh, started playing that song. And um, so it popped up, I tried to silence it, but um, I just wanted to see the other songs that are part of this because I knew that, but so when they released American Slang in 2010, that year for me was a huge year for music where I basically had this, I can't say a reawakening. It was just an awakening of music where I was so inundated. That year was really tough for me because uh, personally, that's uh, whenever there were certain things that were going on that I turned to um, like my escape was running, like getting out and jogging and then, uh, and it had been for uh, for a long time, but I'd worked with a guy who, um, without going into a lot of detail, there was something that occurred uh, where I worked in college as a, like a, a hall advisor, you know, one of those that was on watching over the, the floor uh, for residents. And so there was an incident that happened and just like shook everyone. So, um... One of the guys late one night, we were up and we were working on reports. Um, we he put on some music and uh, we just started talking about music. And he wasn't like a musician, but he loved music. Like he could talk circles around me. And so um, I started talking to him a lot. And it was always about music and asking him questions, finding out different bands. And they, believe it or not, was they ended up being one of his favorite bands. That year they came out with American Slang, and I listened to them for the first time that year. And then that's whenever, on and off, I'd listen to them. But I've, again, it has been an ebb and flow. I know more Blink-182 because Blink played such a vital role in that upbringing of music. And that was, that was at a time of where uh, music was such a part of me discovering what I liked. And 2010 was kind of another part of that, but this was where it's like 
what are those deeper things in music that I like? And American Slang, it was fascinating because um, my coworker at the time, he had mentioned that about the influence of the boss of Springsteen. And you could hear it in some of the music, um, whether it's instrumentally or lyrically, especially as you had mentioned. But so knowing that he's featured with them, I always thought, oh, well, this will this is really cool that they're taking this approach. But I don't I've never followed them like a lot. You know, I'm, I don't know. I can't tell you a lot of facts about the band, but I have followed their music from time to time. Like I'll jump on, I'll listen and then I'll, um, you know, I'll fall off and then something will come up. And I want to say whenever Scream 6, when that moment that you're mentioning, we talked about it, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I had listened again to some of their music around that time. But they're not a band that's on my radar that's like every time or that if they were to release something more frequently that I would be like, oh, well, this is, you know, I got to I got to listen to them right away. But I find it fascinating that and I hadn't thought of this. But I know especially what we talked about with the boss in the past and um, Springsteen's influence on music across the board. It totally makes sense that this would be your number one. I did not think I thought for sure I was sounding like it's got to be Blink-182 for you. I think under normal circumstances, it would have absolutely been my number one. But <laughs> I mean, it just happened. To, I'm telling you, at one point it was it was it was. Um, it was always Gaslight because that's been announced for a while now. Mm-hmm. And then it was Menzingers and Taking Back Sunday. And then I killed Taking Back Sunday and added Blink-182 and killed Menzingers. Uh, I mean, just the music this month is insane. I know I've left things off. I know I mentioned Sufjan. And I'm pretty confident there's like two or three other albums coming out that I'm like, we're, this is just an incredible month of music. But... um. Yeah, the boys are back. All the boys are back. Yeah, well, it's all the the Jersey boys and then the California boys of Blink. They're all back and they're happy and they're making music and uh, making old men like me <laughs> feel young again. Well, especially Blink, that's for sure. I will say when you mentioned that you were worried that this would go off like a wet fart, I was worried that you'd end up like trolling with something like. Reba McIntyre's not that fancy dropping on October 6th or something like <laughs> Dolly that. Dolly Parton's new rock album. <laughs> yeah. I think that's an October release too. And and that's where I I was like, oh great. What what is it that but yeah, these two, I can definitely talk about them. And for Gaslight, it's not as much as Blink 182, but I will say I appreciate the heck out of them and especially their influences that what's inspired them because that year that uh, American Slang came out, um, similar to how I look at music videos with Blink-182, I kind of look at that same year as like that's the influx of whenever I was exposed. I started researching a lot of bands. I, mean, I can't say exposed, but I started doing a lot of research. I'm like, oh, wow, like this is whenever I found, like for example, blues. That's whenever for me, I'm like, I love, and then I could list out different reasons. I'm not going to get into that now, but the different reasons why I'm really fascinated in this. And that's why I start picking apart like, well, that's why I like Aerosmith because they borrow from blah, blah, and blah. And then same way with Gaslight, whenever American Slang came out, I'm like, oh, well, they've got this, this, and this. And then I started going down the rabbit hole of exploring the boss more than what I had in the past. And then 
you know, carrying on that way. So their influences also, you could say, influenced a lot of my musical interest through listening to them. So I do, I don't hold them as dear and close as you do, but they do have kind of in an interesting way, kind of a special place to me musically because of that reason. And now's your chance to um, take a little, take a little deep dive. I probably will, to be honest, because right now, as I said, I'm on this roller coaster of exploring. And um, yeah, I, uh, I think this is, this is awesome, especially seeing all of the music that's coming out. Um, I, this, this gets me pumped. I know that we're going to be filling our ears full of a lot of music and our eyes with a lot of movies and TV shows. Usually it's our mouths that we just stuff with uh, <laughs> popcorn. But in this case, we're, we got ear candy going in and out. So you're number one. I'm pretty confident. Well, I, is there going to be, is there a surprise? Cause no, not at all. Not okay. at all. This, uh, so you were saying that, that your number one is at the top of the list for the year. Most anticipated. Same way with the number one for me now, right now. I have to say, uh, as you said, stuffing our face full of popcorn, that's 100% what I'm going to be doing for three and a half hours <laughs> of digesting the brand new Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, and uh, Brendan Fraser film. Oh, yeah, I forgot he's in that. Killers of the Flower Moon. This story is something I've been waiting on for a very long time. I've I've not read the book, but um, I know like Marty has talked in depth about his his love for, you know, trying to bring this, adapt this and bring it to the big screen. This is an Apple T, uh, Plus produced with Paramount and Paramount's releasing it, distributing it to theaters. This is coming out on October 20th. I already got my tickets um, but yeah, this is, uh, this just looks incredible. Uh, we've got, in addition to the cast I've already mentioned, we've got Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, Sean Lithgow. Um, the list I feel like goes on and on. Um, this was shot in and outside of Tulsa and, uh, I was not living there at the time. I almost, I tried, I kept looking into opportunities I do know a few people who worked on this who still live in Tulsa. I've worked with them. Um, they cannot talk about that until after the movie has come out. And um, I've been so curious, so, so curious to find out more information about this because, you know, they like built this set out there and just outside of Tulsa and they shot there and they shot downtown Tulsa. There are a lot of scene or uh, behind the scenes photos that leaked of them shooting, getting that, um, that look, uh, Oklahoma, man, Marty, man. Oklahoma's reserve. We got reservation dogs. Mm -hmm. We have Tulsa King. We have this. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma is. And, and we have Minari, which, uh, Stephen Young had uh, shot there with that film. Uh, Oh man. I didn't know that was Oklahoma. That's yep. a, they, uh, they did that for Arkansas. It's uh yeah. And that was like that's th interesting. three years ago or something like that, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, this uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, I'm am uh, I'm so curious. the The trailer, the last trailer, has become, as I said on the last podcast, a daily watch for me. I went back and I, I've rewatched a couple of Marty things, just a couple of scenes of what he's directed throughout the years. And I have to say, talking about influences like Gaslight, Marty has just influenced so much of what how I perceive and, and kind of grade 
directing like how is the scene shot and blocked and all that stuff like to me it's so fascinating and we're getting a movie like this so deep in his, his career his editing too yeah and i know he who he uses is like the reason why but he he's got some of the best editing in his films yeah and and it's just there's something about like his methodical approach his love, I know he's, and I haven't read the full quotes about him apparently attacking the superhero genre again. But this man- That is becoming tiresome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say, I love you, Marty, but let's <laughs> just drop it. Get, let, we, let, we gotta move on, man. Um, I, I am not read or looked into any of that uh, recently, but I will say he is, uh, I, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this movie. Um. I know you brought this up on the last podcast, but considering we got the Irishman, uh, we've received like say even the Wolf of Wall Street, not that uh, not that long ago, and that movie such high er- energy coming from a man that is yeah, in his seventies. Yeah, and it's just like literally eighty years old right now. He's in his seventies when he does Wolf of Wall Street, and that movie feels like something that uh, a twenty-five year old man would do. Yeah, but he wouldn't do it as well. And and that's that's the thing. I um I have not seen. Uh, I, I wanted to watch this because every now and again, Marty will go off and release um, certain movies or uh, like music specials. He's worked with the Rolling Stones multiple times. Um, they did the music for this film. Yeah, Ex- Exclu- it's the exclusive soundtrack from Hackney Diamonds. Um, <laughs> But so there's, uh, for example, there was on Showtime, I saw this recently, but Marty ended up directing uh, along with um, another uh, person, uh, ended up directing a special as a personality crisis one night only, um, which ends up uh, looking at uh, David Johnson's career. We've also had his work with um, Bob Dylan and uh, Rolling Thunder Review, which is on Netflix. He did Vinyl, the TV show, which I had a lot of high hopes for. I thought it was okay. Um, that was a fictional show, and that was set in like the 70s um, of New York City and, and the emerging of music. There. I could not get into that. Oh, you did never watch that? I, I watched uh, one or two, and I was like, this isn't for me, and... I wa- Apparently, I wasn't alone because it didn't last. No, that w- that's sad because of that case. Um, and then, uh, as I mentioned, his work on, like, say, Shine a Light, which was released in two thousand eight. Um, the which the behind the scenes for that are pretty awesome. The way that Marty is talking uh, with uh, Charlie and others about rigging cameras on the stage to shoot with the Stones. And um, they're like, I don't think we can do this. And he's like, let's try it. And it's so funny that he's he's got this personality. He's 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 like his own actor. You know, he he just has this. I feel like larger than life personality. There's one movie that I think is a very underrated movie. And Marty's always and I've always found this fascinating about Marty. But he's been throughout his entire career kind of dealing with religious themes or working this into his movies in every single film. But uh, he's talked about that. I, I find those conversations to be very fascinating. But an underrated movie, the 2016 movie with Liam Neeson, Andrew Garfield, and Adam Driver, Silence. Oh, I don't... Is that underrated? Have you seen it? Man, that one's... Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because... I feel like that one's really... 
Well, that's what I, I don't know if underrated is the right word, but it's one that I would imagine is overlooked. I feel you don't want to return to it, right? It's not one that it's like, oh, let's pop in it's silence. True, right? <laughs> On a Friday night. That's a, that's a good point. I mean, it's. I think that's what it is because it's an amazing film that is hard to watch. It's very, very tough. Very tough. Um, but I do like that he is grappling with Christianity yeah. and stuff like that. Those feelings you have of. Um, well, I'm not gonna even gonna try to explain it. Marty does yeah. it so much better, but obviously he's obviously has that theme throughout mm-hmm. the bulk of his films. Yeah, and that like I feel that. like there's that you whether it's as direct as it is in Silence, or if it is something that's very subtle. I think a lot of those themes it it comes through. Um, I think we will see some of that in. Um, in Killers of the Flower Moon, especially the love, the TLC that he's taken with the Osage tribe to end up bringing the story to life. And and I've watched the behind the scenes of how he has worked so closely to make sure that they got it right. And I find that to be fascinating. And it's also, I there there's so much about this movie that with it being three and a half hours, I cannot wait I know not every movie can be, but if it's a Marty movie and it's three and a half hours, I just like I've been thinking about almost every day I wake up and I think about the Irishman. I don't know why. <laughs> I, it's been on my mind. And um, I kind of hope that the killers of the flower moon this I feel like this movie will be very haunting. And I'm telling you, this trailer is just something about it has got me so hyped. I it's am you, a, uh, a peak. obsessed. Yeah, I I need. Yeah. Uh, I've been avoiding it to avoid seeing new things, but I might just have to break down and watch it. It's it's tough because we're now at this point where we are st- we were a few weeks away. I don't think it gives away a lot, but I do think that there are several things that it will definitely. Like when you see the trailer, it's like, oh, that's where this character's going. Ooh, okay. Or, oh, then okay, I'm not gonna I watch it. it. Yeah. But we do need the let's we gotta wrap this up because this is like a <laughs> yeah. a triple <laughs> a triple sized episode. And I have to go probably be a father. Yeah, you're on dad duty. Um so but that's all I've got to say. And uh October, man, what a month. Man, what an incredible month of stuff. Yeah. A lot. Well, I hope so. I mean, what if by the end of the month we're like, this was all garbage? Hopefully it doesn't come and go like a wet fart. I would say it won't, but, you know, with how some of these things turn out, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> I'm hoping for at least, let's let's get 60 70% of what we were hyped for turns out okay, and then I, we're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Well, as long as we meet that, we just got to do better than Netflix movie standards. That's that. <laughs> that won't be hard. Oh, well, in that case, since it's uh, kind of a combo for this, we're going to say until next time, keep watching and listening. Ooh.